Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. The Bible says at verse number 8 in Romans chapter number 1, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. That your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness. Whom I serve with my spirit and the gospel of his son. That without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. Watch this verse 10 making request if by any means now at length. I might have a prosperous journey. Here it is by the will of God. To come Unto you. You know what Paul is praying for? I would be safe as I travel to get together with everybody. You know what the will of God for your life is? To fellowship with God's saints. To be together and have fellowship and have have this ability to gather with one another. People say, I just don't know what the will of God for my life is. Well, go to church. (laughs) That's part of it. (laughs) That doesn't get you saved. That doesn't make you any more right with God than anybody else. But look, I need you. You need each other. We all need to fellowship. And that's God's will. God's will for your life is to get together with his saints. We go over to chapter number 15. Look what it says at the end of the, toward the end of the chapter, verse Number 30, Romans chapter 15, verse number 30. The Bible says, Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake, and for the love of the Spirit, that ye strive together with me in your prayers to God for me, that I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea. What's the prayer? To be, to be delivered from them that don't believe. And that my service, which I have for Jerusalem, which uh, may be accepted of the saints. Watch this. Verse 32. Here it is. That I may come unto you with joy by the will of God and may may with you be refreshed. Here it is again. The will of God for your life. The will of God for my life. Is to gather together in fellowship and have some joy over it. Have some joy. Verse 31 gives us a little hint. Does the work week not kind of break you down a bit? You got to, you know, the guys, the gentlemen need to go to work. Guys got to go work. You got to go to a college campus. You're all week and you're just getting hit with the world. You're getting hit with. All of this junk from the language down to the ideologies, all of it. You know what God's will for your life is? You would be delivered from them that don't believe into a fellowship of those that do. And we can have some joy about that. Amen. God's got that. You want to live in God's will? Let's do it that way. Let's do it that way. And people, people want to gripe and complain about everything under the sun. They want to come to church and say, well, I don't like this. and I don't like that. I don't like the other thing. The world ain't no better. 
People don't like a lot of things about Walmart. They shop there every week. <laughs> Just telling you, I, I need some refreshing. We all do. We all do. That's that's God's will. Um, Acts chapter two. We'll take a little side trail here. Uh, and I'm going to say by way of introduction. Thank you. For coming to church this morning. There's a lot of choices out there. Thank you. From the bottom of my heart, thank you for giving our fellowship a fair trial and a fair hearing. Thank you for that. Thank you. Acts chapter 2, look at verse 46. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. There's a movement that's going on that it depends which angle you look at it called the house church movement. And that's people that don't go to church because, well, in Acts 2, it says, do you see what it says in Acts 2? Look at verse 46. Breaking bread from house to house. Now, is it wrong to have church at somebody's house? No, because the church isn't the building. The church is who? The body of Christ. We all know that, right? That's Christianity 101. But look, I'm not going to go too deep into this, but look. I've been there where I'm just having church at my house. <laughs> I've been there because I've been so frustrated that I felt that was the best option. I'm not going to go into all the reasons why and why not and all that. I'm just saying I've been there. But there's a danger in making your family or making your home the church. Although... If your family is saved, are they part of the body of Christ? They are. They are. And are two or three more Christians gathering together? They are. Is that the church? It is. But the danger is if it's just dad all the time, where does dad get fellowship? Where does dad get accountability? Where does dad have other saints? One of the prayers has been, and, and he's, God has answered it is, Lord, please send other men, send other families, send older saints to help and to fellowship with us. I need the preaching as much as you need the preaching. Wes been faithful, been coming. A lot of places a college age student could be on a Friday, Saturday night and be so hung over that he can't even get out of bed till 1.30 on a Sunday. He's faithful, he's here. Now he's, he's going to preach from the Bible next Sunday and he's not going to correct it, he's not going to amend it, he's not going to change it. And I'm looking forward to it. Brother Kelly, teach the Bible. Brother Tom, teach the Bible. 
other men that come and are faithful. Why? I need it as much as you do. So this idea of staying home, I just, I'm just not buying it. I'm just not buying it. We need to be, we need to be in, in the best church that we can find, or at least in a church that preaches the gospel. And look at verse number 46, and just to kind of wrap up this thought. You know, the Bible says at the end in verse number 47, and the Lord added, it doesn't say to the house daily. It doesn't say added to the home daily. It added to the church daily. Well, what's the church? It's the body of Christ. We want people added to the church, added to the body of Christ, right? Um, other people that say, well, you know, house church is just as good as just going to church. It's just going to be me and my family because it's not a good enough church in the area. I'm not that prideful, at least anymore. <laughs> I was there. I'm not that spiritually superior anymore. I'm just like, when I read back at verse 44, I don't I haven't met anybody that's into the house church movement that's willing to do this part of it. They're going to use this verse, which is look at verse 44. And all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. <laughs> if, we're, if we're going to use that verse, if we're going to use verse 46 and verse 47 as an excuse to stay out of church. Well, you better you better be obeying 44 and 45 as well and sell all you got. We got to be consistent in all things. So look at Acts chapter 20. Let's go there. Acts chapter 20. Look at this. Acts chapter 20, verse 20. And I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you. And taught you publicly from house to house. There's your house church. Except don't forget publicly is in there as well. We can go. We still have the freedom to go to somebody's door. And tell them about Jesus. We still have the freedom to go downtown. Hold some scripture signs and tell people about Jesus. We still have the freedom to find a local event where the community is gathering and say, hey, we're going to set up a little a little Pilgrim Baptist area. And in, and, in, and as people go by, instead of selling them bottled water, we're going to give them a gospel track of some living water. Don't forget the solution to living the Christian life and the will of God for your life and for my life isn't to lock ourselves in our homes and be isolated from the world because we're afraid of the world. I don't want to be a part of this worldly system, but I'm in it. I just don't want to be of it. And the only solution for somebody to come out of it isn't for me to lock myself down in the basement like Joe Hyden. You don't want to thank you. Thank you. That was good. The answer is to go publicly and tell people about Jesus. Sorry. I, I don't know if I should be sorry or not, but you know, just putting that out there. Look at verse 20. Look at verse 21. Testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks. Repentance toward God. The will of God for your life is to preach repentance. 
and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Publicly, not just staying in your house, all right? Let's go over to Mark. Let's go over to Mark. Will of God for your life. We'll get past this point in a minute, but I want to look at Mark. And let's get the third chapter. Look at Mark chapter three. My pastor started his church in his living room, in his house. It's perfectly biblical for saints to gather in someone's house. That's where it started. It got too big and they had to move out of the living room and they rented a, a building. So there's nothing there's nothing incorrect about meeting in someone's home. If the ice storm took this building down, we'd be at, we probably couldn't all fit in Wes's dorm, <laughs> but we'd be at one of the brothers' houses. Hey, whose house can we use? You, you see what I'm saying? I'm trying to draw this line of distinction between, yeah, okay, that's fine. It's just that it has morphed into we're so right and we're so spiritual and our family is so special that we can't go anywhere. That's why I said thank you for coming to church. Thank you to the church house, to be more biblical, the church house. Look, 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 we're brothers and sisters in Christ, and it's important that we gather together. Look at verse 31 in Mark chapter 3. Uh, actually, go down to verse 33. And he answered them, saying, Who is my brother? Who is my mother and my brother? And looked round about on them which sat about him and said, Here's what Jesus said, Behold, my mother and my brethren. Then he says, in verse 35, For whosoever shall do the will of God, the same as my brother and my sister. And mother, you want to be in the will of God? Gather with your brothers and sisters. Kids from different backgrounds have nothing in common except Jesus Christ. Moms and ladies from different backgrounds in different areas. What's the commonality that makes you a sister to each other? Jesus Christ. Men, young men. All the way up to senior saints. What makes us brothers in the Lord? The Lord. In one way, it's a stronger bond. And that's what Jesus is trying to point out. It's not just your blood family getting together and not having anybody else allowed into that nucleus. No. You want to be in the will of God? We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. If we get this in Christ part down, we're way, way ahead of the game. All right. If you're with me, say amen. 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 All right. Good. Very good. Acts chapter 13. We need to move on. We can't stay on one point forever, kids. You get bored. You need, <laughs> you need something. You need something to help you, right? All right. Acts chapter 13. Here's the will of God for your life. The Bible says for David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell on sleep and was laid unto his fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised again saw no corruption. David, you know what he did? He served his own generation. How did he do it? By the will of God. You want to be in, the, you want to be in God's will? Get busy now. The will of God for your life 
is to serve your generation now. The will of God for your life is to influence those within your network with the gospel of Jesus Christ. They should see it in your lives. They should see it in your children. They should see it in the way that you communicate and they should hear the gospel from you. The way you live won't get anybody saved. One reason is if they follow you around long enough, they'll realize you ain't living that right. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, a Christian that lives right sure does get gets a better opportunity for a hearing than one that doesn't. You, ma you imagine Brother West knocking on one of the doors on tech and saying, yeah, I'm, I'm here to give you the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the person that answers the door says, you? You were drunk at the bar Friday night like I was. Slam the door. Your testimony will give somebody, they will give you a hearing because of your testimony. They won't get saved because they see you living right. They won't get saved because your family's happy and your kids are full of joy. But they certainly will say, you know what, I'm going to get I'm going to at least give this person a hearing. And then they can hear the gospel from you. So that's the idea. Serve your generation. Now, a couple of points I want you to look at. Look at First Thessalonians and First Peter. First Thessalonians and First Peter. First Thessalonians. Chapter number four. Let me further prove this point. The Bible says in First Thessalonians chapter four, verse three. For this is the will of God. Even your sanctification. That you should abstain from fornication. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel. And sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, concupiscence, even as the Gentiles, which knew not God. Here's all I'm going to say about this verse, at least for this morning. You don't live like those that don't know God. And if you want to live like this and your life's full of lust, and your life's full of all this junk. That is not the will of God for your life, because verse three clearly tell us for this is the will of God. Abstain from that. Abstain from it. Uh, young people, you need, to, you need to listen up. You need to tune in because this is important. This world wants to put images and videos and pictures, and they want to get your scroll. Whatever you're scrolling and looking at, they want to get filth in front of your eyes. So that it goes into your brain and it drops into your heart and it comes out of how you live your life. This is why your parents want to protect you. And they want to say, hey, no, we're not going to listen to that. We're not going to look at that. We're not going to watch that. We're not going to get involved with that. That's what the world wants. And the will of God for your life, parents, the will of God for your life, children, the will of God for all of us, church, is to abstain from that. Do not get involved with it. It'll hurt you. It'll hurt you bad. It'll hurt your testimony. It'll eat up time in your life where it could have been used to serve God. Amen. And you can't serve both. Amen. 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 
Look at First Peter. Look at First Peter chapter number two. Look at verse number 15. Here's why. Well, you live right because of the will of God for your life. And you live right because you're grateful to what God did for you. But look at verse 15 in 1 Peter chapter 2. For so is the will of God. That with well-doing, ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. This is the will of God. If you live well, if you do well, if you live a godly Christian life, zip, it's going to silence the opposition. It will. They'll just stop their mouth. What's God's will for my life? Right there. Live right. Why? It'll silence the opposition. Let's get 1 Corinthians 1. Turn back to 1 Corinthians 1. Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother. You say, what's that have to do anything? What did I just say? If you want to be in the will of God, what does the Bible say? Live right. Right? What do we just look at? What do we just look at? If you live right, what will happen? You'll silence the opposition. But more importantly than that, who are you living right for? I'm telling you, recognition and spiritual pride is on the rise, even in modern day church again. Who are you living right for? To show everybody, look at me. I'm the first place Christian. Look at me. I'm so. If you're living right by the Bible. Because you want to be recognized as. I'm Mr. Wonderful or I'm Mrs. Wonderful. The Bible says in first Corinthians chapter one, you're wrong. Because Paul was called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. So who are you living right for? Jesus Christ. How do you do that? Through the will of God. Through the will of God. So live right for God. Not for you to get praise. Let's go over to 2 Corinthians. Chapter number 8. I don't know if we're going to get through. If you're. That was page one, kids. We got four pages, so it might be a two-part message. Second Corinthians chapter 8. Let's get back on track. Verse number five, the Bible says, For though there be that are called, for though there be that are called gods, whether in heaven or in earth. I'm in first Corinthians, sorry. I'll catch up with you. Not that looked odd. Second Corinthians chapter number eight, verse number five. And this they did, not as we hope, but first 
first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. What did they do first? They gave themselves unto who? The Lord. What did they do second? They ministered to the saints. Look at verse four, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship, watch it, of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, as we hope, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Here's the will of God for your life. Everybody wants to make this more spiritual than it is. I'm just waiting on the will of God. Right now, the will of God for your life is to put the Lord first and to minister and to serve others. Mamas, you've probably have used this at one point in your life as a Christian mama. You teach your kids joy, right? Jesus first, others second, and then yourself last, right? By the way, husbands and wives can really, I mean, they can really hit a home run if they get that, if they get a hold of that. You know, the husband works all day and comes home and fix your own supper. <laughs> or, you know, the wife comes home and she's had a long day out shopping and trying to get stuff prepared for the next, whatever she has to do around the house to keep things going. And the husband, the first thing he has to say is, where's my meal? I'm telling you, husbands and wives can go a long, long way and really hit a grand slam if they would just put the other person first. And if you do that, if I do that, if we do that, we are in the will of God. The husband that acts like that, the wife that responds like that, they can say, they can talk all they want about the will of God. You ain't in the will of God if you're doing that. Because the will of God is you put God first, minister to others second, and then put yourself last. Now, I'll be the first to say I don't get that right all the time. I'm not in God's will all the time. I want to strive to be. I want to strive together to, to be all I can be for the Lord. But the will of God is to put yourself last. Colossians chapter 4. Epaphras is a, good, is a great example of this. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. And we're going to go to the fourth chapter and look at Epaphras. He's a really, really good example. You don't hear much about him, but here's what we do know about him. Colossians chapter 4, verse number 12. The Bible says, do I have the right verse? Colossians 4, 12. Oh, yeah, yeah. Epaphras, verse 12. Who is one of you? A servant of Christ. Saluteth you. Always laboring fervently for you in prayers. That ye may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. You got one verse really on this guy, Epaphras, who embodies this principle of the will of God for your life. He lives it. He is putting Christ first, a servant of Christ. Why is Epaphras in the Bible? This is why. This is one of the reasons why. To show you to put Christ first. He's praying for you that you may be stand perfect and you're going to be in the will of God. I like Epaphras. 
I want to be like that. That's good. That's good. Let's move on. This is going to get a little, uh, a little heated now. First Thessalonians chapter five. You can take a little heat, right? Get like spicy food. Okay. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse number 18. And I'm here to tell you my opinion is that America has lost thankfulness and a grateful heart. I really believe thankfulness has become a long lost art. Some of the senior saints have been, that are in their 60s and 70s and, and 90s. You can remember the day when it was, let's go over to the neighbor and make sure they have enough sugar. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. I don't have to run to the store and I don't have to milk the cow for butter. Thank you for the butter. And, and we don't live like that anymore. I'm not saying we need to go back to that time. And I'm not saying we need to, that's the only way to show thankfulness. I'm just saying culturally, Americans seem to have embodied thankfulness more. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse 18. In every, I think, okay. Uh, in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God. In Christ Jesus concerning you. You know, the guy's mumbling and grumbling and complaining and griping and just saying, I'm just waiting for the will of God. Well, you're out of the will of God, buddy, because the Bible says give thanks in everything. I think of Corey Ten Boom. If you've not read or, 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 or anything about Corey, it's an amazing story of, of, of what she did for the Lord and what she went through. But her and her sister Betsy were in the German concentration camp at Ravensbrück during the time of Hitler's rule. And the, where they were staying, the whole dorm or the whole room they were staying in at Ravensbrück was overtooken with fleas. They all had lice and fleas. And so she's, she said, oh, she's complaining to her sister, Betsy, all these fleas. Why does God? And then she's gone. And Betsy, everybody needs a Betsy in their life. Betsy says, basically, Corey, the Bible says give thanks in everything. I'm just telling you, read these stories about these missionaries. You realize you're not thankful. Not give thanks in convenient things. I'm telling you, amen. They gave thanks on the flies and the fleas that they were infested with. And they would have Bible studies every night. And then it dawned on them why God sent them the fleas. The guards wouldn't come into the room, amen, and shut the whole thing down. And they're trapped in this room in a concentration camp. Under the rule of the satanic Hitler. And what happens? They're studying and reading the Bible. And they're teaching others about Jesus Christ. And they're witnessing the souls that are going to die. And pass out into eternity. And they come to the Lord. And I'm telling you. By the power of the authority of God. One simple verse. Give thanks in everything. Amen. Give thanks in everything. Oh, so hard to not complain this week. 
it's so hard. That's why I try to keep yourself busy so you don't complain. Because I know as soon as I get bored and I don't have anything to do, I'm going to start griping. And then, you know, us husbands and guys, you know, we do what we always do. Whoever's close to us, we take it out on. <laughs> Honey, <laughs> it's your fault. Trees are down. We had like six trees come down. You know, it's really hard to give thanks to God when it's 17 degrees and you got just a little bit of gas left in your chainsaw because the tank's been sitting in the back of your truck for a week and you said, I'm going to get it. And you did something else and you forgot. And you said, well, I'm going to get it next time. Then you forget. And then when you need the gas to power up the chainsaw, it ain't there. At this particular time, we had two trees down. So you know what I had to do? I had a little bit of gas left in my chainsaw. I had to calculate which cuts to make so I can move it enough to get out and go get more fuel. <laughs> and I'm telling you, I ran out of gas. And believe me, I was complaining. I was able to move the trees out, went, got filled up with gas. And then we had four other ones fall in the driveway. I was prepared. But I tell you, the Bible says give thanks in all things. We're coming out. We pull up to the driveway. Another tree was down at that point. I start to cut the tree out. Hannah's in the truck with Cheyenne. Josiah's got the axe. I've got the chainsaw. We're trying to take care of this tree. And I find out this later after the event. Hannah's saying to Mama, the tree's going to fall, Mama. It's coming down. I see it. It's starting to move. It's coming down. We had finished chopping. We get into the truck. I don't know any of this is just going on. Our hill up the driveway goes like this. It's icy. I put on the gas. I can't because we're on the hill. I can't get the truck to accelerate and I can't move forward. So I put it in reverse and I just use gravity and I back down. I back the truck all the way up to our house. And then all four of us look and watch that tree fall down exactly where our truck was. Exactly. And at that point, I gave thanks to God. Amen. I gave thanks to God. Amen. The will of God for your life is to give thanks in everything, not inconvenient things. I told the kids we slept three nights without heat and without electric. Corey did not pray to God. God, would you please just test my faith and put me in a German concentration camp? Lord? Nobody prays that. That is not God's will for your life is to pray for God, please. Yeah, just lock me. But when it happens. When we don't have heat, when it, we don't pray, God, please turn the heat off so I can see if no. But when it happens, the will of God for your life in that situation is to say, God. Help me show me how to be thankful. God does not want you signing up for persecution and all of this stuff. But when it happens, I should say. It will happen at some point in your life, it will happen. Where the circumstance won't be right and people wait around. I'm just waiting for the will of God for my life. That's just putting it on God. God, just change my circumstance. So that things can be easier. 
and then I can thank you for it. If you think like that, you're out of the will of God. Give thanks in everything. And if you don't have heat, thank God that you still have enough sensory in your body to be able to know what cold is. Amen. Amen. First Peter chapter number three. First Peter chapter number three. And we're going to wind down. We're going to do part two tonight because I am not even through the second page of notes. And I don't want to rush through God's word. And I don't want to wear you out. I'd rather you go home and get something really good to chew on rather than just being overwhelmed with too much information. First Peter chapter number three. I want you to see something in verse number 17. The Bible says, For it is better if the will of God be so that you suffer for well-doing than for evil doing. I'm thinking of Dirk Willems. If you read Martyr's Mirror, bloody theater of the martyrs that were persecuted in the 1500s. Dirk Willems, he escaped from prison imprisonment. You know why they put him in jail? They imprisoned all because the Roman Catholic Church ran the government. It was the governing body. They imprisoned him for being a faithful witness of the Lord Jesus Christ and getting baptized by immersion after he believed the gospel. You know what they did to Christians in the 1500s when they believed that? They locked them up, gave them a sentence of death. Derek ends up escaping this prison. It was cold. Cold, cold, cold. He's frail and, and just malnourished. Running out in the cold with not enough clothes to be able to protect himself. There's an ice pond that he runs across, and he makes it across. I mean, he's light. But the guardsman that called him escaping is chasing him. That's why he's running. The guardsman falls in. You're a Christian. If you were to fall in and die, where would you go? To be with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're a lost man and you fall in to that freezing pond and you were to die, eternity will be a whole lot longer and you will pass into that without the Lord and end up in a devil's hell. Dirk William escapes. He gets across the pond. He looks back. He sees the guardsman that's after him that's going to lock him back up and then put him to death. He sees that he falls in. He goes in back to the pond. And he helps that man escape. Why? Because he embodied 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 17. For it is better, if the will of God be so, that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. And you know what Dirk wanted? That man to be brought to God. The guardsman was so moved that he put a request in that Dirk be released. The request was declined. 
and Dirk Willems was put to death for well-doing. You think this generation of young people that wants to feel the burn and get free government money from Bernie Sanders and, and this whole socialistic, whatever outfit you want to call it, they can't function. They can't, if they don't have Play-Doh or coloring books as grown young people to help them unwind from because they were triggered, <laughs> you think they're going to go through you think they're going to be handle, be able to handle any type of persecution? They can't sit still for 25 minutes and listen to a Christian tell them about Jesus without them coming down and, and palpitating in a cold sweat. Yet they can sit for two hours in front of a Hollywood movie screen and watch all types of grotesque things happen that are unbiblical. And that doesn't trigger them. Our society is so far gone. The only way to get it back is for Christians to live in the will of God. And if we don't want to surrender the living in that will, then myself included, let's not lay claim to the stake. And let's not stake the claim that, well, I want to be in God's will. Finally, we'll pick up on this thought of suffering for the will of God. Tonight, and we'll finish out the message tonight. But let me close with this and say, God's will, he has a whosoever will gospel. The Bible says, whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God's will for your life is not to die and go to hell. Our message to the world is, please don't go to hell. We don't want that. God doesn't want that. Because we willfully transgress God's law, we are his enemy. We've committed high crimes against the holy God. And he would be perfectly righteous, just, fair, and godly to sentence us to life imprisonment in hell. He would be honored and glorified if he did that. Because we have committed such high crimes against God. You say, I've only stolen one thing. One's enough. Because that's how holy God is. He does not want that for you. That is why he sent Jesus. Jesus came and embodied living the will of his father. And he died on the cross for your sin and for mine. You've not put your faith and trust in him. He wills for you to do that. He wills for you to do that. To come to God on his terms. And that is say God. I repent of what I've been trusting in. I know I'm a sinner. I know my sin separates you. It separates me from you. I know that you would be a right judge. For sending me to hell. Please God. I'm repenting of what I've been trusting in. My own goodness. Whatever it is. And I'm putting my full faith and trust. In what you did for me on that Calvary cross. Will you please save my soul. I can't tell you the magic words to say. I can tell you what the Bible says and what the gospel is. And it's up to you to come to God and call upon him. If you haven't done so, I'd be more than happy to speak to you about that after church. If you have, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. 
We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.